This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon. Eric Lopez is here with us, as you heard. Also joining us here, Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You know, guys, last night, I, I, I should have seen this one coming. I said right there in the group chat, I, this is famous last words. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's record on Thursday, uh, tomorrow night. Like, there's nothing going on. Like, and then here we go. The entire, the, the, the Chicxulub asteroid has hit college football with, uh, with conference realignment with USC and UCLA now accepted as of this hour, as members of the big 10 conference heading into 2024, we're going to speculate this to within an inch of its own life here in a little bit, a little bit later, Balin Trujillo joins us. He is a uh, quarterback coach, local kid, went to went to Boone, played a little college ball at USF, but now he's a quarterback, a, a private quarterback coach working with, uh, uh, he worked with Mackenzie Milton. He is working with John Rice Plumley. He'll give us some insight into working with both of those guys, as well as, you know, just the state of, uh, the state of the union in terms of quarterback play at the college level uh, in 2022. And uh, we'll also take a look at some of the other smaller stories that have uh, popped up. We had some schedule releases that we got that, that popped out. We had some, we got some uh, men's soccer schedule. Looks a little bit different with some new conference mates. We got volleyball scheduled out. So uh, yeah, we got some stuff to uh, chat about. But we start, of course, with like I said, this is the Chicxulub asteroid in college sports. Uh, once this ha- you know, when this happens, it, we've we've really crossed the Rubicon. It is official as of tonight. When we woke up this morning, this was not on the radar, okay? Now, it's done. USC, the University of Southern California, and UCLA, the two LA schools in the Pac-12. If I'm not mistaken, Eric, two founding members of what was the Pac-8? Yeah, I think so. Back in the day? That sounds about right. They are gone, and they are going to the Big Ten. Official, too. Like this It is official. It's done. Yeah, this isn't like... We're waiting for the ink to dry on this. You know, they are expected. No, it happened. The Big Ten has announced it as of tonight. And uh, this has really sent, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this has sent more shockwaves through the college football world than even the Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC news. I think there was a part of that that people sort of like had in the back of their mind, like, yeah, that could probably happen one day. I don't think anyone on this planet outside of people who were actually probably in the room doing these negotiations had any idea that SC and UCLA would magically become part of the Midwest. Um, And, and here we are, Eric, you know, you and I argue about this topic all the time and it makes for great content. Uh, Let's continue that right now. I I just, what do you think? Well, I will say, is this good? Well, depends on for who we're at, who we're talking about. Is this good for college football? Uh, again, it depends on who you are. If you're USC, UCLA, and the Big Ten and the SEC, absolutely. If, what if you're Northwestern and Purdue? I mean, you're still going to you're still good because you're going to make big money. You know who this is not good for? If you're in the Sun Belt, Amer, you know the uh, American, uh, 
the Mac, you might as well say bye-bye. Go ahead and just start your playoff now. Just go ahead. Bye-bye. We'll leave you the room. And that includes basketball. So all you St. Peter's people, enjoy your run because it's done. So no, uh, depends on who it is. Uh, this is going to be because we're seeing the landscape now changing. College athletics, as we know, it has been done. Let's look. I agree with you. I think they're more shocked because of the speed of this. I mean, nobody. Surely. There had been rumors and talk about this move, and I'm going to give yeah. our colleague. But but, but everyone, whenever we, whenever someone would bring this up, like, oh, what if the Pac-12 schools went to the Big Twelve? Like, yes, like well, stop no, it. No, but I'm going to give credit. Right? I'm going to give credit to our guy. Andrew Glukov, who ironically is not here. Maybe he's out celebrating. He might be celebrating because he called this. Because I remember about a year ago when this OU Texas thing. Celebrating in air quotes. Break. I mean, his, <laughs> his guardians are doing well. Um, I mean, Ohio yeah. State. He's probably getting tickets for Ohio State USC as we speak. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I remember when this OU Texas stuff came out about a year ago. And, you know we were kind of concerned like we kind of said is this a good idea that ucf to go to the big 12 a lot of people have brought this up since in recent you know weeks oh you guys said this wasn't a great idea first of all yes we uh, the reason we didn't think it was a good at least i will speak for myself was i was worried that the big 12 would get plucked because i thought if you're the pac-12 this is your chance to survive and get stronger by poaching the big 12. they didn't do i agreed i agreed with you for the record and so to and i remember drew drew to his credit on this because i said hey why doesn't kansas and iowa state could go to the big 10 and he said no he said if the big 10 is going to make a move it's going to be out west and try to get the la schools because that's where the money is that's where the market is and he was right the thing that i think even he's surprised that i'm shocked if you would have told me this was going to happen next decade i would say all right yeah super con but the fact that it's happened now, I think that's why everybody's a lot more shocked. Plus the fact that the geography, I mean, this is like the days when the San Francisco Giants were in the NL and the, no, this is the <laughs> days when the Atlanta Braves were in the NL West. That's what we're at right now. They no, it, no you know what it is? It's when, it's when we had the Phoenix Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys yeah, in the NFC yeah. East. Yeah. Or, or no, even better. I'll do you one more. Do it. Remember when the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints and St. Louis Rams were in the NFC West? Oh, God, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad that's where we're at right now with right. the San Francisco. But so, real quick, does this mean – because I was thinking about you when, it, when we, we talk about TV all the time, right? TV's sure. driving this. Yes. And our buddy Chris Vanini, friend of the show, we've had him on the show before, I thought he had the most insightful tweet about this. He said uh, he was forlorn like me, and he was pretty much like, eh, well, <laughs> college sports, it's, it's been a great ride, but we're now going to have ESPN – conferences and fox conferences yeah we, but we've talked about correct. but we've talked about for years like we're heading into a streaming world now yep. but the big 10 just made this move with two team with the two main schools that are in the number two media market in america los yep. angeles correct. is this like is this the revenge of the cable markets this is the revenge at the sec for getting ou in texas this is getting back at them this is what it is. And they're just plucking their teams. And I think the Big Ten's not done. This They're not just going to add two West Coast teams and call it a day. They're going to add more. I think what's going to happen, the Big Ten and the SEC eventually, I'm not even going to say when, because I don't know anymore. It could be five minutes from now at this point. I don't know. But they're both going to end up with over 20 teams. And you're going to have their own divisions within divisions. And you're going to have, they're going to go the NFL formula. And they're going to have their own playoffs. 
So all you pro playoff people, congratulations, because you're going to have so many playoffs in football that you're, you're, not, you're not even going to know what to do with yourself. So congrats, Jeff. You wanted a playoff. You're going to get it. You're going to get it all right. So I wanted one. I if, wanted one playoff in, F in FBS. Go ahead, Kyle. We haven't heard from you on this. Yeah, we do need to bring a little sanity back here, real quick, because like I, I, oh, I did, I did, did compliment Drew. So that is that. That's when we went at a wire. Is that what you're saying? Oh no, actually, listen. When it comes to before, yeah, I will say that's where you went off the rails. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. Um, no, uh, listen, and, and here's here's what it'll really go off the rails, gentlemen. In me and all my trash talking for Notre Dame, f eventually being forced to find a conference. If that happens, then I'll join you in House Apocalypse. But in the meantime, some of this is a move of pure prudence. Like, and, and by the way, Jeff, you made the great point already about how much of a breakneck thing this is to the world because we didn't know it was coming, all right? We had heard the hype. Things were leaning into. There were negotiations that had to happen. Somehow or another, the OU in Texas thing leaked. This is some Game of Thrones-ish, gentlemen. This is some Red Wedding stuff. I got an arrow in my head, and I have no idea what just happened. That's what today is for the college world, right? But you, you guys are talking about revenge for this. No, 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 no. You're giving the people at large entirely too much credit. This is a this is this is the old hat trying to get out in front of Amazon entering into the game. Okay, you put it very well that there's a this conference and a that conference, Fox and ESPN. I really think, especially when you got Al Michaels, you know, being kept alive, God bless it, and Kirk Herbstreet being nipped away out of the college ranks to call pro games. You know, I think this is this is definitely something to not only uh, solidify that, but then take advantage of the landscape because of the desire for expanded playoff, because of um, COVID and all the other stuff that happened, and to take in these teams that that um, are good and have been vying to jump to the next level and also to focus on metropolitan markets like um, like Drew had uh, seems right. to have predicted. I didn't hear it, but I'm like, it sounds like something he would say. Oh, no, I mean, he did. I got to get, I mean, he, he's yeah. been on top of this. From the and beginning. the Big 12 recruited, by the way, their most recent four editions very similarly. But yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I saw you, were, you I saw the bing go up when I said something. Uh, I forget what it was, oh, but uh, Amazon. I saw you. Well, I think oh, Amazon. Well, yeah, there was a. Oh, yeah, there was. Well, real quick, there was a report from uh, Sports Business Journal. John Auerand said that uh, reportedly Apple has reached out to the Big Ten to try and get back into the game here. You mentioned Amazon. I mean, Amazon and Apple. I think are kind of. Yeah, I. I don't think you can. You can. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, Amazon, yeah. fine, but like right. Apple's also knocking on the door. They have Major League Baseball. They had their big deal with MLS yeah. now, right? <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all five. You, MLS hey, listen, wait, wait, wait. You, you, yeah. first of all, don't scoff at that because that fan base is growing in the, and the ratings prove it. Number one, no, no, number it two, doesn't. No, no, soccer no. is growing is growing very quickly on the West Coast. Doesn't matter where you have two of the where you have two of the top four media markets in LA and San Francisco. They can't draw 500000 for a nationally televised game on ABC right now. The MLS is a Ponzi scheme right now. Uh, Apple, this is the thing, though. What you do is you bring all these people because it brings you leverage. Yes. Live programming is number one on television right now. Live programming. That's what the market is calling for. That's what television needs. 
That's why Amazon's trying to get people watch live sporting events. They don't watch scripted television shows anymore. Regardless so, of who's in the seats to, with all due respect, Elo. Correct. And I think what college conferences are doing is the best model of any business is the NFL. And what do the NFL do? They have a deal with ABC, ESPN. They have a deal with CBS. They have a deal with NBC. They have a deal with Fox. They have a deal with Amazon. They have a deal for now with DirecTV. That could turn into Apple. That could turn into somebody. The point is they've got to deal with everybody and they're maximizing their money. They're ex maximizing exposure. And I think sports leagues are, and, and businesses like college athletics and conferences are like, you know what? That's how we can maximize every dollar here. We don't need to be stuck here in Evanston to play Northwestern and Indiana on Big Ten Network. Let's grab some West Coast people and expand this and get Amazon involved or Apple involved along with a Fox. Or I think the one, the one network I will predict that will get involved, I don't know if it's Big Ten, but it could be the Big 12 or Pac-12 or whoever's left alive, Turner. I think Turner is going to get back in college football from what I'm hearing. And so I think live programming kyle football college and nfl not the usfl nonsense college and nfl is the sport that people watch no uh, you're absolutely right about that what, what i would add too is this like it, you're talking a lot about the tv networks and how the nfl has all these deals with all these different groups let's be clear about one thing it's not like they woke up, rolled out of bed and said, hey, everybody, you want a piece? Like, no, like they, they had to get there. And I think part of it is here will be my quick conspiracy theory. The reason why and I did a video about this years ago. Um, the reason why the NFL is so big now is because the NFL has leaned into and actually because of the way the game is, is most friendly with fan interaction directly fantasy sports gentlemen may have been around for a oh, long and gambling time. and gambling um sure well and in gambling with, may have with now with FanDuel and DraftKings and all the oh, you know, there's so many ways now absolutely right but that they, those even got to that point based on the way football's kind of set up and a lot of the sports what is word structure for sure. me and everything is built around it football is slow enough to where you could keep up with it slow in that um there's breaks between plays that are significantly long it's only once a week etc cetera, etc cetera. it's slow enough to follow and keep up with but fast enough to still have plenty of action and that lends itself well and they've stayed on free television whereas so the other sports leagues went to cable not not thinking of the future of cable cost cording uh, cording cutting cord would be yeah. a big factor but I think that's where the conferences are going with this too, because they realize, hey, I don't know what the Pac-12. The reason they're in trouble is the Pac-12 network didn't work. Just, <laughs> they're not making good money. You have a COVID crisis in 2020. You lose a ton of money. All of a sudden, it's like, do you think these schools were going to be okay, like playing a 2020 football season with no fans and nothing? No, they're going to recoup their money, and that's where we're going with all this. Is it good for college athletics? No, but the this thing that 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 whole thing sailed a while ago, man. That that thing, the train was already running. The bigger question: What does this mean for UCF? That's the biggest question now. Is what does this mean for UCF? Before we get to that, and, we, and and I do want to spend the rest of the segment talking about that. What does this mean for UCF and the Big Twelve? Just a couple of things that uh, Brett McMurphy put up from Action Network, um, sort of his like looking forward. What's next? Uh, Notre Dame could they be in play? A source tells McMurphy that Notre Dame uh, that 
that they believe Notre Dame can get out of their deal with the ACC with quote relative ease and a financial penalty. Remember there, they would, they would pay the G the grant of rights with the ACC goes into the mid 2030s, but Notre Dame only has to cover basketball and the Olympic sports. Football is not part of that. Right. Uh, SEC don't expect them to sit idly by. Nope. Um, yeah, uh, he uh, McMurphy said the SEC could likely target ACC schools such as Clemson, yep. Florida State, North Carolina, or Virginia, That's possibly o- yep. possibly Oklahoma State. Now, yep. Big Twelve. What does the Big Twelve do? Brett Yormark, the new commissioner of the Big Twelve, starts tomorrow, <laughs> July first. Welcome, welcome to the office, boss. Here's what we here's what we got for you. Uh, Big Twelve could add, according to uh, Brett McMurphy again. Um, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, possibly expanding further west. Um, I mean, obviously, this is all speculation based on, you know, whoever. Yeah, I love how all these media people that didn't know any of this was going on 24 Uh, hours ago, all of a sudden have all the speculation. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden it drops in there. Yeah, right. But, but, but listen, but listen, this is, this is going to get, this is really going to get wild now. This is really going to get crazy. And let's. Bring the focus back. And Elo, I'll start with you. What does this mean for UCF? What does this mean for the Big 12? That's the great, that's the big question here because there's going to be more shoes to drop. I mean, you, one of the parts you mentioned there I thought was interesting is Oklahoma State. You know, does the SEC, if they get them, that, that's a, you know, that takes away from the Big 12. Does the Pac 12 leftovers try to get the Big 12? The irony of all this, Jeff. Somebody Smith, floated the idea of a merger between the remaining Pac-12 The guy that reported that first broke the story, uh, I forget his name, but he's been a longtime Pac-12 uh, media guy who's covered it and did a good job breaking the story. I actually, I would, that would be great. I agree with that. The problem is that makes too much common sense in college athletics that doesn't exist anymore. So <laughs> um, it's a great question because a year ago, we, again, and I was wrong. John Wilner, by the way, is the Great guy. Great job by him. About. Glad you got yeah. him in there. Great job. Sorry, sorry, Eric. Go ahead. No, no, fair. I'm glad you got him because he deserved credit because he broke the story, something that national media people can't do or don't know want to do or can't do or don't know how to do it, whatever. Um, the issue here is a year ago, we spent time on the Big 12 leftovers and nobody was interested. So the question now is, are they all of a sudden going to be interested in them? or not. I think if you're the Big 12, you have to be proactive. If you can grab some teams leftovers from the Pac-12, you do it. Try to take them out of the game. Don't make the mistake the Pac-12 did last year where they left, they kind of played, and they did this stupid alliance agreement. How well did that turn out, by the way? (laughs) Give me a break. I think the alliance of American football lasted longer. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so you got to be proactive here. Get the Pac-12 leftovers, hopefully, possibly, but you know, and just be ready. The good news is if you're UCF, you're in a better position today than you were two years ago. If you're in the American, you'd be kind of like, okay, where is going? What's where is this? Yeah, this, this, this feels like we snuck in the door before it shut. I probably so. So you're probably, no matter what, are going to end up making more money. Uh, however this plays out, the question becomes, will that be the Big 12 as of now? Is it going to be a Big 12, Pac-12 uh, deal? Or what I've speculated in past episodes, the ultimate goal, I think, if you're UCF, is eventually to end up in a league like the ACC. And I thought that was next decade because I think the ACC is very vulnerable right now as well. 
Oh, you yeah. mentioned that I think the SEC will absolutely go after the marquee teams in the ACC. So let's say a Florida State or Miami leaves, that's going to open up a Florida school spot. UCF could be in that position. Even the school to Tampa could be in that mix by that point. Who knows? But if And I think Drew, I will say this because Drew mentioned this when we were doing our group chat. Since he's not here, I'll speak on his behalf. What UCF needs to worry about is take care of what you can control, and that's on the field. You better be successful. Like the pressure just went up even more. You well, cannot- it's not just on the field. It's also it's it's also going to be donations. It's going to be facilities. It's going to be all well, that that's stuff already under associated pressure. with on the field. Correct. That's even. I mean, that's a whole different can of worms just by joining the Big Twelve. Now you add this potential of the uncertainty and obviously the TV deals. Uh, look, it's a nerve wracking situation for everybody. Unless you're in the SEC or the Big Ten right now, everybody's nervous. Because there's two leagues right now. This not let's just retire the power five thing. That doesn't exist. There's two powerhouses now. It's the Big Ten and the SEC. And the, now that does not mean you cannot be successful, but you're not going to be at that level. And so you just hope that things go up. But I think if you're the Big Twelve and you're UCF, be proactive. If I'm them, I would finish off the Pac-12. Just put them, put them out. Matt Brown, uh, EP oh, on Twitter, our, our old boss. Soon, yeah, we yeah. got it. Uh, makes a great point. He says UCLA to Rutgers, by the way, is the same distance as Rutgers to Iceland. Um, yeah, it's terrible. And I don't want to <laughs> hear. I don't want to hear any other stupid administrator, media person talk about how, hey, you know, we're not making money in volleyball. You know, all the travel costs. You're the problem because you just whore yourself to football and at the mercy of it. So I don't want to hear anybody complain about college. And I don't want to hear anybody com- criticize any student athlete when they take an NIL deal or when they transfer, because this is big business. Now this is all big business. Everybody, coaches, players have a right to make as much money because these, all these suits in these universities are making tons of money. Kyle. Yeah, no, first of all, off the bat, speaking of suits, if there's anybody right now who's probably the most ticked off, you would have to think it's the Americans, Mike Oresco. That commissioner having to be in a situation, please join my conference here. I'll scoop up these up and coming guys, and maybe one day I can build the American to be what it was before these four teams left. And now this. You could have gotten desperate Pac-12 runoff possibly to join your American conference. And now that's kind of off the table since you just ingested these. Goodness only knows what's going to happen now. But um, I, I, uh, I'll i say this. You're talking about the ACC running and uh, uh, trying to, to fill gaps. If I'm the ACC in this particular situation, I'm laid off the jump. I'm in big trouble already. I'm trying to, how you say, broker my conference into the Big Ten or the SEC and have that take a package deal and just make it a full-on annexing. I could see that. I could see that happening. Absolutely. Best best move at this point. Um, I'm not even cynical enough to see that happening, but by the same token, I've been incredibly critical of the ACC in the past. Why should I stop now? Um, As far as UCF today, I'm not as worried about it. Sure. The product on the field has to happen. Um, donations, listen, they've looked pretty solid. What was it last week? They announced a single donor, um, that put in largest donation in school history, $5 million. Right. That's the kind of stuff you want to hear is turning that direction. All the right things are not only just being said, but are happening in a a positive trending direction. 
what else UCF also has, and this cannot be knocked, that the Orlando market in that area is not a bad market. It's not L.A., certainly, but it's, you know, listen, first of all, the SEC, if they're going or, or any conference needs to try to uh, um, get Orlando, because then within the city limits, you have the organization that has the rights to the Imperial March necessary to do any conquering of any sort. Um, then over and above that, I made the dad joke, Jeff. This is what I do. And then over and above that, over and above that, um, the the populace of the student body currently is still amongst, if not still the top in the nation. The alumni base is starting to reach those numbers. And guess what? Not all of them are crusty people who are, you know, out of their facilities or whatever. They're actually getting into that demographic where they have the most disposable income as well. So I think UCF has enough of those base things and a good enough level of performance to this end and give Gus credit. He's doing the right thing by catering to the athlete as well, right? Um, No, that's why he's doing it. You have to do that in today's day and age. You have to. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Twitter handles on the back, the QR codes on the back during the past two spring games. Appealing to the players is the best way to get around not being a blue bud, showing them that they're bud. That the but old- at the same time, though, you could do all that, and you're not touching SEC or Big Ten schools. You're just not. You're just not going to touch them. The game is. You're talking a different league now, literally. I'll, I'll give the fan. Answer. I'll give the fan answer, even though I'm not one, Eric. Just ask UF and Auburn. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think they would say they would. I think they would counter with a cha-ching. And then we'll see, and we'll see what happens. That's the thing. Everybody is right now. No, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's wild. It's the craziest thing. We just, we, we, we got the tweets here from uh, uh, USC. I just, I just can't believe I'm seeing that SC logo with big 10 right next to it. I, I, it's, it's bizarre. Um, I'll say, I'll say this from a, from a business perspective. Right. Not a sports business perspective from a business perspective. This is why I think that we've really crossed a Rubicon in, in the history of college sports. We are not seeing competition anymore. That's over. We're seeing consolidation and if you, at, in, in all sports now. I mean, there's okay. always going to be and, and competition. Here's, well, well here, no, but here's why. All right. When you, this is why I'm concerned is you look at any business. And of course, I, you guys know me, I'm an aviation history nerd. Look at the aviation history business. Look at the manufacturers. We used to have 12, 15 different manufacturers who were real, who were real players. You know, Lockheed, Douglas, McDonnell, Martin, Boeing, North American, Republic, Vought, uh, you, you know, Beach, the, the, it goes on and on. Now we basically have three. All right. Look at airlines. We used to have so many of them. Now we basically have three or four here in the United States. When you see a big business start to consolidate, that means you're, to me, that feels like you're kind of over a hump. You're kind of over a hill. And what happens? Sure, we see some really cool things for a little bit. But in the long term, what we end up seeing is higher prices. And we see worse service. And what else do we see? We see it takes a longer time, time frame. We see less innovation over a longer period of time, right? And 
I'm concerned what that looks like for college football. Everyone says, well, it's a, well, it's a business. It's always been a business, yeah. but now the, but now the biz, the, 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 the underpinnings of that business, the found very foundation of it has changed. And I don't, and I really, but this happened I don't think last this year. Is, I don't remember you bringing this up last year. No, Same thing because, happened. because this is, it's, there's still college football is still a regional sport. Yeah. Okay. It's not regional anymore. That's over. Tim Brando would argue with you that it was, it was always national. No, no. <laughs> well, Eric, I'm, say what he I'm, said. Eric, I'm, I'm from the I'm from the New York metropolitan area. I'm Trust me, disagreeing with, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you. I'm just saying with Tim Brando. But here's the thing: it's regional. The bottom line is, from a competition standpoint, that's not going to change. There's always the in football. There's always going to have the certain conferences and certain schools that will have advantages. By the way, same thing in Major League Baseball. The New York Yankees and the L.A. Dodgers have a significant advantage over the Marlins and the Rays. They just do. That doesn't mean the Marlins and the Rays won't compete, can't compete, you know, to to Kyle's point earlier. Doesn't mean you can't beat them, but the odds are it's a lot more difficult. The good news is I think UCF has been successful with lack of big bucks by hiring good coaches, being able to recruit the area. You can be successful. You're just not going to be at the highest level possible. If you were hoping that UCF would be winning national titles every year, that ain't happening. But you can still be successful. You're just not going to be at the highest success. If I may take a bit from column A and B, gentlemen. Sure. Um, there's there's plenty of, of truth in what both of you say, and, and, and props to you for citing aviation and making that an excellent analogy. Let me meet you there. All that this consolidation that you're speaking of is begs for a market correction. And I'm, I, and while I appreciate your worry because everything you say is accurate, Jeff, I would also tell you that you've been covering a school that represents a very good analogy to another entity that disrupted airlines. UCF is basically Southwest coming out of nowhere using a method that doesn't have as much money to step in and compete and beat major level teams to the point that they are a major carrier now. Right. And all you're the- saying UCF is like jet blue, basically. I said Southwest, but you could say just Southwest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm saying These that people better I, be sponsoring the podcast. I, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> if, if the airline industry had enough uh, money to finance advertising like that right now, <clears throat> but And I say that to support Jeff's point, as it would appear. But um, all it's asking for is another market correction. And and gentlemen, I'll tell you, now that UCF has made the problem stand, the good news is Terry Mohajer isn't letting go stagnant. That's a good thing. But what it also does set up big picture is the Charlotte 49ers of the world and all these other teams that have crawled their way into the American to get to their next level. And now they're going to start building and going all in. Or some... God bless him. Very optimistically minded person said another certain program in West Florida will start taking things seriously and possibly crawl their way back into the game. It's that kind of inspiration that this kind of stuff causes. So is it bad immediately? Assuming everything comes to the fruition and people, somebody gets rights to the Imperial March and all that. Sure. That's on the table, but I would also tell you that it inspires rebellion and demands that market correction. It's all cyclical. Now, will any of us be alive for that? That's a separate question. Uh, 
man. And people are still going to watch. By the way, for everybody who's going to hate this, they're still going to watch UCLA play Wisconsin. I mean. They're still going to watch. I'm, I am not prepared for a world where the Rose Bowl is between USC and Washington. <laughs> no, the Rose Bowl could be the Big 12. Like Pete Thamel said this on Paul Feinbaum on Thursday. Special neutral site game. Michigan versus Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. It could be. No, it could be. Maybe it's the Big 10 against the Big 12 with the Pac-12 realignment there. Who knows? Maybe we get UCF in the Rose Bowl. Huh? That'd be something. I'll be honest, Jeff. I said that one specifically to mess with your head. I apologize. Ah, would you go to the Rose Bowl to cover UCF? I would. I would. I think I would walk to the to there the. There you Rose go. See what's so wrong UCF. with that? See, it's not all bad. <laughs> I mean, if the Mac goes bye bye, I mean, if the Mac goes bye bye, who's gonna miss them? Nobody. So you know, not even their own people. So it's fine. Yeah, I, I just, man, I, 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 last little bit on this before we take a break, and and we got a cool Bale, guest coming up, by the way. Bale and Trujillo, yeah, coming up next. Um. What do you guys say to the UCF fans who are looking at this and saying, oh, God, oh, God, no. We did. We went through this in 2012 with the Big East where we thought we had the ticket and then it evaporated out from underneath us. Like, are, are we, are we going to see history repeat itself here with UCF? What do you say to those people? I would say you should have not – I mean, what were you expecting? I mean, there was going to be some sort of fallout. You weren't going to – get the full big 12 treatment but at the same time i would tell them we're in a better spot now than we were when we were in the mac kyle yeah i mean that that's really the worst case scenario here is better than the best case scenario back in that and and i mean i know fans don't like hearing that um but also by the same token we haven't seen how this is going to affect the playoff long term either like you guys are very I should say you guys, Eric's all talking about three playoffs. I don't know about I, I think that's a very strong – I think we were headed in that direction, and I think with the SEC – I think I really do believe the SEC and the Big Ten are going to do their own playoff. I really Here's do. Here's the whole thing. We have an existing bowl system that's 40-some games strong, okay? Or at least has could got – Could have saved – could have prevented all this if we would have just embraced it, right, Kyle? We could have just I mean, embraced listen, it, you know? I, I Listen, but I would – People like I, Jeff wanted to expand. I would, I would, I, I was preaching this back in the early 2000s. Okay, I know you're missing. Offer you chicken wings. Friend. Yeah, it'll have to be cake because all the chicken wings are gone. That's how late to the party this is. Okay, but, <laughs> no, but uh, what 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 I'm getting to is is let's. I think we don't have true disaster to the point like the T1000 has not killed us all until we really see what the playoff structure looks like, right? Well, we got to see also how all this plays out because, again, I just have a feeling we're in for a lot of more crazy moves. So who the heck knows? Also accurate. Right? Like, who knows? Maybe next year we'll be playing in, like, maybe they'll just put the Big 12 next year in Birmingham and just play all the games in there. I I hear that's a fun, successful (laughs) business. It worked Mm. with XFL, right? (laughs) Yeah. Breaking, what's this? Am Am I seeing here? Oh. Uh... Based on the success of the USFL in Canton and Birmingham, Alabama and Ohio State have announced that they are actually joining the USFL yeah! as as experimental <laughs> as experimental developmental squads now. So why not? Uh, nope. Yeah, obviously, it'll, it'll boost the TV numbers. I'll say that, Eric. Here's what you should be: the, the model the model that they're using is that G League developmental team, right, from the NBA. Woo-hoo! Here we go. 
All of you that said college football should be like English Premier League where you can get promoted or demoted. Congratulations, you got your witch. <laughs> yeah, that could be the truth, right? I mean, no, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. Well, for the, I think, it, well, it will for some in the Pac 12 uh, teams right now. They're Isn't about to find this out the hard way. Like the ACC becoming basically irrelevant isn't demotion, Jeff? Right. That could no, be because you can't go up and down on a season-to-season basis. Not on a season-to-season basis. The cycles are longer, I'll grant. But the ACC, sir, since Trevor Lawrence has departed, is not a fraction of itself. And you, when you say that, I mean, remember, Colorado's been moving left and right. So who's to say that this doesn't become the norm where you see schools move from conference to conference every decade or so? Who knows? Who really? Seriously. Why not just why not just have free agency in college teams too? Why 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 stop there? Let's just go ahead, just make it. Let's just make it a farm system. Okay. The 49ers. Okay. Who do you want in the Pac-12 to be your farm system, Kyle? Who do who should the Niners uh, pluck? It's UCLA, USC, Stanford. You want all three as a farm system? I mean, they're still not paying to run a league like the XFL would. Nor should know. they. They don't have to. It's done for them. It's better. It's called college football. At least for now, it's called that. No one got rich cutting checks, Elo. You're not. You're not going to get me to uh, convert from that stuff. <laughs> By the way, speaking of uh, NFL guys, uh, Kyle got a chance to talk to an NFL guy. We'll have to ask you about later on the show. Copy yeah. that. Um, one last little bit here, <laughs> and this is what it's all about, right here. Brady McCullough of uh, uh, LA Times reports: USC announced that it will now offer all athletes five thousand nine hundred eighty dollars annually which is the most it can provide as a result of the NCAA versus Austin case. And then he adds tax on to the end of that. I guess we don't have to guess where that money will come from. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That, that's, that was the report. They said one uh, uh, the USC and, UC, uh, and UCLA stand to make on, uh, on average every year, yearly $100 million. $100 million dollars a year per school i i just man what are they going to do what are they going to do with it eric you, you sound like i think you're muted but no, everybody's making are, the same would make the same what are they gonna, what are they going to do with all that money Charter. do you know what ucf could do with the hundred million dollars hope i do hope in all seriousness i hope they charter all the non the Olympic sports like do have the decent no more they excuses. better that's what I'm saying no I'm they better sure. if they're doing road trips out to if the, if right. the nearest school bet, outside right. of Los Angeles is Lincoln Nebraska they right. better they, in fact charter no private jet fire up the Lear production line let's go let's get the Gulf streams going okay go. no I agree I agree amen amen I, I agree let's not let's let's not uh let's not go because i don't want this i don't want this 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 shouldn't be going into the pockets of of is chip kelly still at ucla i don't know for now now, for another five minutes you know i I just (laughs) we'll see you in three weeks unbelievable oh well (sighs) all right well the bright side you know i thought i thought we could like you know just focus on tv contracts for a little bit and this wouldn't directly affect us now it directly affects us you're gonna be there all right. Go, I mean, you're gonna be all right. I hope Kyle, ju- you know, you were. I felt like you were gonna jump off a cliff earlier. I feel like you've gotten better now. I, right. I just listen. I, I was up. Well, this is the last word on this before we go to before we go to break. You guys, let me. I've been interested by this stuff for 22 years. Ever since I came to UCF, you know, when I learned about like, it, you know, could UCF go into a better conference? You know, I learned about the history of it. 
And I was always intrigued by it. Even, you know, in the previous cycles, always intrigued. Hey, this is interesting. This is really cool. I think this might be good. A few things were like, eh, I don't know. But this is the first time, the first time in the, in the, in the modern conference realignment era that I'm like, this is not good for college sports. I do not think this is good for college sports. And I think it signals a very, I think this, this is going to signal a very negative turn for, for, for the, felt, for, like for we college already, sports. I felt we were already there. I feel like last year we were already there. So I, hindsight, like- hindsight's 2020. Hindsight's 2020. I, I bottom line this morning. If I, if I told you last night in that group text, Hey, tomorrow, watch this. You set USC and UCLA. You're going to join the big 10. You'd have been like, Go to bed. You're you're sleep deprived. I mean, it's been but, out there, which it's I been am. Out there, it's been out there. It's though. it's been out there like Alabama joining the NFL. That, Notre that's Dame, Notre Dame being in a conference in football, right? But you just. Yes. I, but the point is, you can't be shocked at anything anymore. That's the point. Like, and this was been I, going. I'm not, on I'm not shocked. Long. I'm 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 depressed. Yeah, but you should have been depressed a while ago. Listen, that's my I, point. We'll get that happy is, hour in, Jeff. We'll take care of that depression. There you go. It's going to be all right, bud. I got yeah, you. Listen, I don't have a kitchen right now. I don't know when I'm going to have a kitchen. <laughs> all right? I really don't give a crap who's going to the Big Ten until my kitchen gets fixed. All right? Can we, you know? uh, maybe maybe, you sh- maybe you should call up USC and UCLA. You got some folks out there in the I'll softball go to the Big Ten. I, I hear that they're going to have some – I hear that they're going to have some free cash floating around <laughs> to the tune of $100 million a year. You I'll know, call, think they can pitch in? I, I, I'm st- I still Considering stand. how much work you, Eric Lopez, do promoting their number one women's sport, which is softball. And by the way, I've been critical of the Pac-12 the last two years about you better watch out. And they all scoffed at me. Well, who's got the last laugh now, Pac-12? Oh, I want to. Okay. I want to hear this episode of the. That'll be uh, nine o'clock uh, Friday night on In the Circle. I want to hear this episode of In the Circle. I want to hear Eric just go go. full. Just go. I I, I want you to neutron bomb the Pac-12 people. Look, it sucks. I I agree with you. This all sucks. (laughs) It all sucks. But I'm not, this was, we were headed in this direction for a while. I I will, I will, I will record that. I will, I will stream that myself if I have to. I It'll want be to be live. You don't have to. It'll be on the YouTube. I want, I, no, I, I will, I will live blog it. All right. I How swear I will do it. I, just to hear, watch. hear you absolutely roast all the Pac-12 people. Kyle, last word to you. Let's see what the playoff brings before we actually oh, start yeah. setting things ablaze first. Ugh, Matt, I'm, de- we'll I'm, de- I'm depressed about what that might. I was so excited. <laughs> it felt like we were so close, but I'm. I, Jeff was you know, looking I, forward to that big UAB opening round playoff game for some. Hell yeah. Yeah, that ain't. Yeah. Well, you'll get it. It'll be in the group of five. You know, the all, also rants, but, you know, it'll be cool. I'm, no, I'll still get it. I'm just not, I'm not there yet. That, and, if, and if that's, listen, if, if, by the way, if that's the case, if we have multiple playoffs and, F, and FBS, then we don't have FBS. We have three right. different divisions within right. FBS. So just call it what it is. Don't say it's one division. It's not one division. And I think just we, we call might it, be headed. Call it something, might, call it something there, else. And, Let's, and that, that could be what it is. We might. We'll just, we'll play it out. As Kyle says, stay tuned. Yeah. All right. Well, stick around to the podcast. We're gonna have a much more, we're gonna have a, a much more, much less depressing second segment for you. Balen Trujillo. I thought Kyle was very interpositive, personally. I try. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's. Uh, I I don't know. It, you want depressing? It, it, Kyle's wearing a Daryl Armstrong Magic jersey. Be a Magic fan now. That's been depressing for the last decade. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, speaking of Orlando, for it, some, of, some of you follow high school football in uh, the Central Florida area, you probably remember the name Balin Trujillo. He played at Boone and Oak Ridge, uh, went to USF, had a, uh, a, had a, a, a co- college and pro career as a quarterback, and is now a coach has worked with Mackenzie Milton and is working with John Rice Plumley. Uh, he reached out to me to come on the show and we have him on to talk about uh, the work that he's been doing with both of those guys and what Gus Malzahn's offense might look like uh, with a guy who has been specifically engineered to its specifications in John Rice Plumley, uh, and what, College quarterbacking is going to look like in the next five to 10 years. It's a really interesting uh, interview that we have with it, that we have with him. And you're going to hear it when we return from this break. This is the Black and Gold Banner podcast. And we are back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon here with you as we uh, roll on into the offseason. And, you know, when we get to the offseason, when you're talking about all athletes, Obviously, football in particular, we always think about it, but it happens for all athletes. They, they, they go home, they train, they get better for the it's, – it's all the little things that they do when we're not looking that gets them ready for the next season. Of course, um, we've seen that so many times with so many different players at UCF who've been – who've developed so much from year – from one year to another. And one of the guys who has helped out a couple of UCF players, one former, one active, uh, and we won't hold, this, hold the fact that he's a USF guy against him. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of the guys who's been helping out, uh, in, who helped out Mackenzie Milton and is now helping out John Rice Plumley is Balin Trujillo. Balin is uh, uh, a Central Florida kid who uh, went to USF, uh, and then uh, and, and after his uh, after his graduation, after his playing career ended, uh, got into coaching and is now uh, the he- the head of B True quarterback training. That's B T R U. Uh, you can check out his website at BaylinTrujillo.com, B-A-Y-L-I-N-T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. And joining us now on the podcast, Baylin Trujillo, what's up? How are we doing, man? I appreciate you having me on here. And like you just mentioned, man, I've been having the pleasure of training some of the guys that had a big impact in UCF back in the future, and, and hopefully we'll have big impact here coming soon. Um, and so I'm really uh, or actually in the past and, and going to have some impact in the future now. So um, with that, with that being said, yeah, I've been having the, the blessing and, and ability to coach quarterbacks all across the country for the last eight years under my uh, training and worked in the biggest camps like the elite 11 uh, do big camps with other quarterbacks that made it to the top, like Quincy Carter, Kevin Olson um, and, and, so, and relations with Kurt Warner. And so I've, I've definitely been around some of the best ever do it and, and train some of the guys who are the best at what they do. So um, it's just been a blessing, man. And uh, UCF is right here at home. So it's easy to get connected with those guys in college, like Mackenzie Milton and John Rice Plumley, um, and, and start working with those guys in the offseason to prepare them for what's what's ahead for them. Yeah. And, you, and you know, people forget this, uh, but hopefully, you know, if uh, if they're, you know, my age or maybe a little bit younger, they don't, you, you know, you're a central Florida kid. You played at Boone and then went to Oak Ridge. Yep. Um, and just to recap, I want to make sure that I had, that, that I had your, your path rec- correct. You know, you did go to uh, uh, it, you did get into South Florida and uh, suffered some injuries and then you went into, and then you finished up your career at Delta state. And then you played professionally central Florida Jaguars or uh, Florida Tarpons and, uh, and the Orlando predators as recently as 
2019, but then you, you, you focused your attention into coaching. And a couple of years ago, we had Darren Slack on the show for a uh, former UCF quarterback and back in the day in the same business as you um, and, and gave us a lot of insight into what goes into it, into what goes in quarterback play these days. I want to get your input now because it is so much more, it is so much different than even, I would say even 10 years ago when you were playing, how different, what is different for a college level quarterback in 2022, as opposed to even 2012, 2009, when you were playing? Yeah. So the biggest difference and, and a little side note there, I'd never played at Delta state. That was actually a uh, kid I was competing with. That was at Web International after I transferred. From oh, USA. okay. It's my apologies. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I went to Web International down in Lake Wales, still centralized in, in Central Florida area towards Lakeland um, and Lake Wales area. So, uh, but yeah, when I was getting recruited out of high school myself, you know, the stigma was six, five pocket passer. I think that was a really big um, indication of you were gonna, if you're going to make it to the division one level or not, you know, for me, I just had a big arm uh, six, one max, you know, six, one and a half. So uh, it wasn't really the prototype, you know, quarterback, unless you were a dual threat guy. Um, but other than that, the prototype quarterback back in like 2010, when I was coming out of high school, or even before that was the six, five, six, four kid that could throw the, in the pocket. Um, now the game's completely flipped. Now we're seeing more spread offenses, not really pro style offenses where the running backs more geared towards the centerpiece of an offense back in the day. Uh, now it's definitely the quarterback. And so you got to be more mobile. Now you have to be a dual threat RPO type of kid, maybe not as fast as, you know, a dual threat, a true dual threat, but you have to have some type of you know, threat with your legs. And that's definitely changed college football. It's given uh, more kids opportunity to play uh, at the highest level. You know, looking at the two guys that you just mentioned earlier that I trained, uh, Mackenzie Milton, he wasn't the biggest stature, right? 5'10", 5'11", maybe six foot. Then you have John Rice, who's right at the six foot mark, maybe a little under. So, you know, those, but those guys are explosive players. So, um, you know, the game has definitely changed. They're not looking for the pr prototype 6'5 kid unless they're in a pro-style offense. But college football is so competitive now to where everybody's now running the, the RPO and, and spread. So uh, it just opens up the door and opportunity for a lot of quarterbacks that might be undersized that aren't that 6'5 prototype that it used to be back when I was playing. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, I think we all remember like playing football with our friends you know, in the, you know, like street football with our friends, right? You know, and then as we all grew older, there was a point in time when, you know, whoever was the kid on the block who was like the best athlete, like when we got to high school, he would be the running back, but now he's the quarterback. Yes. And, uh, and, and I think that's interesting how, how offenses has changed. And, and Gus Malzahn, I think is a good example of that. He literally wrote the book on the, on the um, no huddle spread offense, um, and I just got done reading that a couple of weeks ago. I was on a plane flying back from Hawaii, but, um, but it, it's the, the pace of everything is much faster. So, you know, it, it's no longer like you have to, you can just sit in the huddle and kind of get the play from some tight end coming in on a new package. Now you got to be really quick on your feet in terms of making decisions before the snap. How much more complicated is that these days? Yeah. So, um, you know, like you said, it's, it's definitely changed. And I think Gus Malzone's offense is a very great offense for a quarterback that, that can both throw and move uh, on the run. And we saw that when he was with Cam Newton, you know, right. They won a national title with a guy like Cam Newton, but then you see kind of his expertise in the offense when he came in at UCF and had Mikey Keene and even Dylan Gabriel who aren't as athletically gifted like Cam Newton was on the ground, but they can both still deliver the football pretty well. So, you know, he gears his offense really towards the quarterback strengths. Uh, but I think what you're about to see 
with the future at that position with getting a guy like John Rice Plumley in there, you're going to start to see that type of offensive really showcase itself again in that, that same type of RPO spread offense where a guy that can really hurt you with your legs is going to, you know, make the defense have to respect you a lot more. So I think that comes easier when you're, when you have a guy like that and it makes offense more simple and defense is more complicated in trying to stop something like that. You dropped the video the other day of working with John Rice Plumley over at uh, Masters Academy in Oviedo, right down the street from where I live. And yep. uh, and I was amazed at the number of real athleticism type drills that you saw where he's also throwing the ball from a bunch of different angles, you know, working on his real agility as a passer. Um, yep. We're heading into as we head into to summer practice at UCF in the next couple of weeks, that quarterback job is still open between Mikey Keene and John Rice Plumley. So make your sales pitch for John Rice Plumley as as a potential starter for UCF. What makes uh, what is what are his best attributes and what are the things that he needs to work on? Uh, John Rice Plumley is a gifted athlete that can do things both in and outside the pocket. And what you saw in my drills is working on more explosive movements through your hips, getting everything on platform and throwing off platform and being comfortable throwing at different angles. Um, that was just a little snippet. I have a whole more, I have more content coming out when, with that training with John Rice Plumley that I'm really excited about that we'll be dropping here soon. Um, but, you know, we're just working on just getting him comfortable, you know, throwing off different angles, which I think is our strengths. You know, if you see a lot of the stuff that he did at Ole Miss, he was throwing on the run and is very accurate with the football. Now we're trying to get him comfortable to sit in the pocket so he doesn't have to really rely most on his athletic ability to make plays, whereas he could just feel comfortable being under base and just making, you know, simple throws just from standing in the pocket. Um, so I think, you know, based on what we saw in the spring game, and it's funny how, you know, you're looking at all this media stuff and all the attention he was getting, you know, even with my, my post on Twitter and all these, you know, a lot of UCF support. And then you have the, the guys are like, well, you know, it's fun to be the backup or whatever, or everybody loves the backup. So, you know, it, it, but it's, if they go back to watching the spring game and I know Mikey Keene comes off a big performance against Florida. Now he did get a lot of help with the receivers that he had, and, and he just had, he had a pretty good game. He managed the game well, which I think. Gus Malzahn does a really good job with the quarterback position is not doing so much to put so much pressure on the quarterback. Um, but now when you see this new spring game and the new style offense, and you see the guy they bring in with Tommy, the, the freshman, you're starting to see the style that Gus really wants to play with. And that's back when he had Cam Newton, a dual threat guy that can make plays on the, with his legs and also do it in the air. And we saw that in John Rice Pumley in the spring game. If you guys recall, he almost scored on every single offensive possession he had. So there was not many mistakes. He's very explosive. He makes great decisions. He doesn't put the ball in danger. And let's not remind you guys, he was a Georgia commit coming out of high school and ended up flipping to Ole Miss. And it was between Ole Miss and Auburn, which is his connection with Gus Malzone. So when he hit the transfer portal, he hit up his guy. And now, obviously, he was highly recruited by Gus. So um, that that plays a lot of big factors into John Rice coming into fall camp. And I think, obviously, I think it's his to lose, to be honest, even though Mikey Keene had a great uh, year last year coming in and replacing Dylan Gabriel after injury. Um, I just didn't think he did enough to secure that spot coming into the starter, bringing a guy like John Rice Plumley, who's played in the SEC, who was a, a SEC All-American as a freshman. I mean, you don't just get that honor unless you're the real deal. And so he, he was a freshman All-American in the SEC at Ole Miss. And then unfortunately, through playing baseball, you know, Matt Corral had a lot more reps during the spring where he took off. And that kind of helped him go, you know, to get the edge going into the, the fall camp the next year in, in John Rice's uh, career. It kind of took off from there as playing, you know, receiver, quarterback or what have you. So Matt Corral was also Lane Kiffin's quarterback recruit at USC. So he followed uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, which they already built that relationship. So it, there was a lot of factors in that. It's not like John Rice was really outbeat by Matt Corral. Matt Corral is a phenomenal talent, 
But let's be honest, you know, John Rice was is an SEC quarterback. Now you're coming into UCF. I mean, at the end of the day, he can light it up and really showcase his skill set against some of the competition he's about to play because a lot of those guys haven't seen that type of skill set before. What's he got to work on? I think he's got to work on, like I said, stay, staying more comfortable in the pocket. I think throwing off base and not really trying to work on throwing off platform all the time because he's so good at that because he's so athletic. He's going to be faster than any edge player that's going to come off the edge or anybody over the middle. So he's going to get out of pressure really nice. Um, but it's just to feel comfortable staying in that pocket and just delivering, you know, simple stuff like throwing the out to the opposite hash uh, to the sideline or you're just staying there reading a defense and not having to think about, hey, I need to escape first or trying to find a, a pocket to slide through. Just sit there and be comfortable, work on your timing of your drops and just making the throw make it easy for yourself because at the end of the day you are a quarterback and if you really want to take your uh talents to the nfl you're gonna have to showcase that you can play quarterback in like a pro style setting to where you're sitting on platform under base in the pocket delivering the ball with just nice easy fluidity with your footwork but again he's gonna play to his strengths because gus malzone does that with the rpo with can if you see can there's not a lot of times where he's just sitting in the pocket he's literally reading the defense end, getting outside of the pocket making throws making quick slant reads you know, or taking off with a football. And I think John Rice is going to be special and electric. I think that's one word with him is when you watch him. And if you see even the second rep in the video that I posted on Twitter, where we did some bounding stuff. And as soon as he hit the right foot, he exploded forward and made the throw. I mean, he's got such explosive movements. So I think that's the one word to really describe John Rice as explosive because uh, he, he's got all the intangibles. And at one point was called the fastest man in football. You, I remember when we were talking, we, you know, you mentioned uh, somewhere along the line that, you know, Mackenzie Milton was, or, or rather John, John Rice Plumley, you know, is, is a potential to be a real culture changer for UCF. And I think you, you alluded to that both, you know, uh, both certainly on the field with what you were saying. And I think we got a little bit of taste of that off the field, especially, you know, we saw him um, come out to the, um, to the baseball fan fest. He was a part of the baseball team, even though he didn't get the chance to actually play on the field. Um, you know, he was always accessible and, and I actually met up with him. He was, he was really engaging to talk to and just, and just a good kid. You know, we saw another guy who changed culture around here in Mackenzie Milton and yeah. you worked with Mackenzie as well. Um, sp sp speak on Mackenzie for a little bit. What really, you know, and, and of course I know that he's announced that he's kind of, that he's stepping away from his playing career just recently. And, I th and he just recently, uh, and just recently had his first kid, but um, what was the, when you worked with him in his preparation to, to, to try and make it to the pros, what stood out about him that, you know, that, that enabled you to think, you know, if somebody gives him a shot, he's going to take that shot. Yeah, his arm talent. I mean, I think uh, it's so awkward, but it, it's so effortless. So he kind of has like this shot put motion. So it's very mm -hmm. quick release. And I think that's one of his best attributes is he has a quick release, even though it does come out awkward. Um, kind of Marino, Marino. Well, maybe more like Philip Rivers almost. Yeah, right? Philip Rivers. Yeah, which we, you know, not, he doesn't get a lot of good credit for his, his mechanics, which I still don't believe he has good mechanics, but he always delivered the ball quick and accurately. And I think that was Mackenzie Milton's strength. And so, um, you know, getting to work with him, it was in the transition between UCF coming off the injury and going to FSU. He had just he had just announced his commitment when he came down to Orlando to work with me at Masters Academy, and then he also worked at camp of mine, uh, quarterback camp with a bunch of FSU guys like DeAndre Francois, who I've had the pleasure of training, and Gino English, who's still at FSU. Um, so he was able to work a couple of quarterback camps with me as as well. But uh, getting to work with him, I mean, he's just uh, it's just a special talent. I think his mind is so much more advanced than a lot of these a lot of these kids that you work with, and he he just processes a lot of things very fast. 
fast. And I think that's what's helped him be, become successful. And uh, it's just amazing to see how his career really took off. And, it, you know, unfortunately, the injury did happen. The injury similar injury happened to me when I was in college, kind of altered where I was where I was headed. Um, but uh, McKenzie, he's just, like I said, just a unique talent. And, and his, you know, like I said, he can make any throw really from from that arm angle and, and, and throw off platform and really throw in platform. And he was comfortable in the pocket, as we've seen in that offense with uh, with the coaches that he had. I mean, he would he did a lot of great things inside the pocket and out. So he really was a true pro quarterback. Um, and unfortunately with the injury and some of the stuff that he was going through post um, post playing, which a lot of people don't know, but I found out when I trained him, you know, sometimes his leg would go numb and that was, mm. that was pretty uh, scary. You know, there was one point in my training where he even took off his cleats. And if you guys look at my pictures that I posted, there was, you know, some, some photos with cleats on some without, cause he did, he lost feeling. Um, and you can't play at a high, you know, in my opinion, at that high level, knowing some of the, the things that you're still having to recover from your severe injury. The fact that he's able to step on the field at Florida State was just a blessing, you know, in itself. So that and that and he still had a lot of success. When, I mean, that Notre Dame game was probably one of the most iconic games we'll ever remember as as fans. You know, his first game back and literally almost led a big comeback against a top 10 program in the country. Um, so and he did some good things throughout the season. So. Um, you know, just McKenzie's a special talent, just special guy, but his mind is so, so, you know, advanced more than a lot of kids that you, that I work with at least in, from what I'm talking, engaging and just like John Rice, I think they have the same kind of mentality, um, the underdog mentality. And I feel like, you know, John Rice still has a lot to prove because at one point was told he could play receiver and not quarterback anymore. And he was a, he's a born quarterback. So, um, again, I'm really excited to see both these guys because I think there's a lot of similarities with them. And I think UCF should be very excited about what John Rice is coming in with because it's almost like McKenzie 2.0. You think McKenzie's going to be a coach one day? Oh, 100%. He's already uh, tried to get into the training scene with quarterbacks here in Orlando. I know he works a little bit on Saturdays. Um, and like I said, I do, I do camps and that he's going to probably going to be joining me in doing so. I'm really excited. But yeah, McKenzie's mind is definitely geared to, to becoming a coach. That's cool. I, it's always good to see. Um, the uh, so, so let me let me finish finish up by asking you this: Where do you see quarterbacking going in the next five to ten years? We talked about how 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 far it's moved in the la- in the last five to ten years. Where do you see it going in the next five to ten years? I mean, I think it's going to be headed in the same direction. Um, the only thing that's really changing is now the NIL stuff. So now you're competing with money. You're not really competing with athletic ability. You're not really competing with, you know, the the next man or the rankings. It's now all about the money. And unfortunately, that's where it's headed. And I wish that was going on when I was playing, to be honest with you. Um, but I just think that really uh, the culture of, of college football is changing through NIL deals and, and likeness of image and stuff like that. And Mackenzie Milton had a big part in that. He was kind of one of the first ones to really start that once it got cleared with De'Ara King down in Miami and that was really cool to set that off and so I think that's really where the quarterback I mean that's the most money-making position I mean we have a guy in Tennessee who just committed there from from high school and he's making eight million it's like these this is ridiculous so um so I, I, I still think that the way college football is going, it's still going to be a high tempoed offense. It's going to be spread. Like, so it's still going to give these young short guys that are not six, five under six foot opportunities. I think that um, you're going to start seeing the NFL change a lot more. I think we're still, uh, they're still kind of scared for the, the change. Uh, but I think that in one aspect of the quarterback position, I think that uh, NFL, 
or pro football in general is going to change. They're going to have to start gearing towards the guys that are getting recruited because if you're six, five and not getting recruited anymore and these young, you know, five, 11, six foot dual threat guys, the RPO guys are now the ones taking over college football. Those are the guys you're drafting. You're not going to draft the backup that's six, five and two thirty can't move. So that's, and that's what the NFL likes right now. So you're going to start seeing the, the quarterback position change probably in the professional realm, which is going to be great because again, right now, you see a lot of great quarterbacks in college that never make in the NFL because they're still not that transition. So once the NFL coaches are starting to buy into what, what, what colleges are doing, or even when college coaches move up to the NFL, they start implementing, you know, that style of offense, like a chip Kelly, right. What he did with Philadelphia, like anything like that. I think that you're going to start to see big change in the bigger levels, which again, it's going to open up the door for everyone now. And then I think that's when we're going to see real big change. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've heard coaches say so many times, like college coaches say, we can only work with what the high school give the high schools give us. Now that's filtering up to the next level, right? Where the NFL is going to say we can only work with what the colleges give us, and uh, and we're starting to see it's very. So I'm glad you mentioned Chip Kelly because you know he had that success in Philadelphia at first, and then it kind of and then it kind of petered out once the NFL defenses tried to figure it out. But it's always evolving, right? And then what happened with Chip? He goes to he kind of consults with the Patriots a little bit. And that completely changed Tom Brady in his last couple of years in New England. We saw LSU it, it, it went with Joe Burrow. That was the spread offense. His final victory in college football was changing the SEC, right? Now he's in the NFL. Boy, I think you're right. I think we're going to see we're going to see that that move up in the NFL over time. So let me ask you, Ben, what uh, g- give us uh, give us the sales pitch, man? What are you what are you up to? Where can fans find you? and follow you and see what you're doing. And also any young quarterbacks who are out there who are looking, who are, who are out there looking for some training, um, you know, where can they find you and what do you offer? Yeah. So I'm right now again in the central Florida area in Orlando specifically. And uh, if you go to my website, you tune in every Sunday at one o'clock, it'll show you the times, locations, and days that I'm training weekly. So it's on a weekly basis. I have big camps coming up. I usually do four in the summer and usually throughout the holidays as well. Um, so I, my next camp is tomorrow with Steven Garcia, former USC quarterback that probably yeah. some of you guys are aware of um, doing one with him tomorrow. Then on the ninth, I have one in Orlando with Kevin Olson um, and John Rice Plumley. He's actually going to work my camp with me. Um, and then I have the, another going back to school camp on July 30th back in Orlando as well. I'll be in Charlotte on the 16th of July doing a quarterback camp up there with Greg Olson and Kevin Olson. Um, so I, you know, you can find, me pretty much really in central florida but i travel a lot to the texas sometimes as well but again if you just stay on my website you'll see all the updated stuff with my flyers and my training schedules and stuff so um my social media is my name my first and last name just like my website just like my instagram and then my quarterback training page just beat you quarterback training so you can find all my stuff there i'm very big on communication and everything's uploaded there pretty quick it's always by 1 p.m on sunday Good follow to Balin Trujillo. I'll put, make sure we put that in, put your information in the show notes. Thank you so much. You are my favorite former USF player. I'm going to just, just going to say that right now. <laughs> and uh, hey, we, we, you can say that now because you guys beaten us uh, pretty much every year. Since I, yeah, I've left. You know, Hey, listen, I got into trouble with a lot of UCF fans because this is our last year in the American. It's our last year in the same conference as USF. I'm really going to be sad to see this rivalry go away. I think that, UCF, or I think that USF and what they've done in the last 20, what they did in, in the, in the two thousands made UCF a better program. And I think that we're about to see what UCF has done. Let's face it to surpass USF force USF to try and become a better program too. And, 
There's yeah. nothing like an in-state rivalry. Like I see right behind you, you got that University of Miami uh, memorabilia up there. I mean, I, I, I like you grew up, uh, yeah, at, at, you know, following the U before I came to UCF and, yeah. you know, Miami, Florida State, like that in-state Miami, rivalry. Yeah, Miami, Florida, yeah. It, Florida, Florida State, th- those in-state games just matter more. No. They just do. I'm sad to see it. I'm sad to yeah. see it go. I really am. Yeah. I hope they keep it. I hope they keep my dad played at UCF. So there's a family rivalry. My wife went to UCF. Pretty much my sister went to UCF. My mom went to UCF. Oh, so how, I kind of, we let you get out of the fold. Yeah, well, they didn't recruit me. Only USF Skip Holtz was smart, I guess. So, no, oh, gosh, but, uh, man. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, I hope they keep that rivalry. We need that because again, you're not only talking about bragging rights for football, but you're also talking about population and, and where kids are wanting to go to school, whether they apply to UCF or USF. There's a, yeah. you know, everybody wants to go where it's hot. And right now UCF seems to be the, the the dominant one of the two teams, but I think they should still, even when USF is down, we saw it this year, right? Bad year they have, but guess what? They were literally five yards away from beating UCF. Yeah. So rose to the occasion, rose to the occasion. That's what rivalry games do, right? Remember the undefeated season with Mackenzie Milton, right? That, yeah. Without that kickoff return, we're probably going to overtime. You don't know how it plays out. So you need that. That's what rivalry games are for. So it's, it, they, I hope they can continue it, even if they go to the, to the uh, next conference and get away from that. Just kind of like what Florida Miami tried to do. Uh, but let's be honest, Florida's scared to play Miami. So that's, that's a different <laughs> conversation. I don't, I don't think UCF is scared to play USF. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about any of that. Baylin Trujillo, thank you so much for joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. All the best. Safe travels. Best of luck with the camps and uh, stay in touch, man. We'll be following you. Yeah, no doubt, guys. Read my shirt. Nobody trains to be backup. So John Rice Plumley is not training to be a backup. So Night Nation, stand up and get behind him because it's going to be fun. All right. Thanks again, Bale. We'll talk to you soon. Stick around. The Black and Gold Banner podcast is back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banner Ed Podcast. Jeff Sharon with you, Eric Lopez, and Kyle Nash have rejoined me here for our final segment. We got a little uh, grab bag of stuff to talk about, including a grab bag of NFL guys who showed up to UCF this week, Kyle Nash. And you spoke with plenty of them, but one in particular, the guy who holds the NFL record for most touchdown receptions in a playoff game, UCF's own Gabriel Davis stopped by along with, uh, uh, along with a couple of other former NFL, uh, former UCF guys playing the NFL. And one guy who didn't play at UCF, but was rather impressed with the facilities and Sammy Watkins, uh, a teammate of Gabe's. But anyway, you talked to Gabe back home, Seminole high school kid, um, what is life like for him post his NFL playoff stardom? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the playoff stardom. You know, it's funny, starting with the end last, I actually asked him about that, and it was the most I had ever seen him talking about himself in a particular question. Um, and he did so in the form of paying homage to the game, it kind of felt like when he answered the question. But, um, you know, talking to him, he's still that, I still, he's still that same humble dude that I first talked to was one of the first receivers I interviewed covering UCF uh, football five years ago, right? Just still pure grace and not just in his movement, but in his personality. I talked to him about how he felt about um, how, what he did in 20 with the 2017 team and the impact that that has even still rendering dividends for now, regardless of how close certain people are to hurling themselves off the edge because of realignment, like seeing, seeing what you see. I feel seen. (laughs) (laughs) UCF UCF accomplishing what they have and and certainly that 2017 team was a big part of it taking nothing from 2013 teams and other entities Um, but they also talked about him and his movement uh, in the NFL you mentioned 
uh, Sammy Watkins, another NFL receiver who was drafted by the Bills like him and, and was at the wet workout and looked every bit as good as a 10-year-plus uh, receiver should uh, running certain um, uh, um, drills and stuff. And then uh, Isaiah Hodgins, by the way, a six-rounder out of Buffalo as well, teammate was there. Um, you know, they were uh, kind of schooling him up and, and, and getting going in the workout. Very interesting scene all the way around. Interesting enough, also met B.J. Taylor there for the first time. Hey, I hadn't had a chance to cover him, but I got to meet him in person. And a conversation I had with B.J. Taylor made it into that very same interview you speak of as well there, gentlemen. So all very interesting stuff. So you could check out how Gabe Davis and B.J. Taylor put together a philosophy that will help the Buffalo Bills not only dominate the AFC East, but possibly make it to the Super Bowl. In the I always said that B.J. Taylor was built like a running back. It was built like a running back or a linebacker. You are not wrong. I had that very same thought. He looks like somebody I should be opening a hole for. No question. <laughs> By the way, that whole entire video that Kyle uh, produced was on the Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel. That's why you need to be a subscriber. Make sure your like is on the subscription on the YouTube channel because you'll get content like that. We have a ton of content over there uh, on the YouTube channel. Kyle, real quick about Gabe. Yeah. He had the big game against the Chiefs when we last saw him. Four touchdowns, NFL record. Uh, quick plug right now on blackandgobetterit.com. If you go to our site, it's all uh, awards season for the Bannies. One of the awards that will come out is going to be alumni. He's on there. Didn't have a significant role consistently last year because they had so much depth at the whiteout. Uh, but we think that's going to change a little bit this year. What what are we expecting from Gabe and the, and the Bills? You mentioned they're going to be the trendy Super Bowl pick, but what are we expecting from Gabe this year? Uh, an awful lot. Like, well, first of all, I think I think his lack of production that Drew brought up in the Bandies episode that you can also find on blackandgoldbanneret.com was completely overplayed. He proved he's a college analyst by saying all that because Gabe had an injury <laughs> himself that year. Um, <laughs> and what? He got the college thing right. That's cool. I'm just pointing out. I hope you enjoyed your positive, uh, the, the plugs there, Drew, because we're going negative on you in this segment, evidently. Go ahead. No, but but joking aside, like it, it's forgotten he had, he was dealing with injuries. Like it felt like everybody on the Bills roster was, and and looked to him to be that same reliable guy. The the uh, the comparison I would make would be like a Brandon Johnson in this past year's um, UCF roster, being there to make big catches and put points on the board and make those catches in big situations when Stephon Diggs is or a la Ryan O'Keefe over here. Um, would be when he's uh, double covered or draws all the attention. Gabe Davis has proven if you leave him alone, he's going to hurt you. Mm. Yeah. We'll see how I, it goes. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Mike Hughes still recovered from covering him in that playoff game. <laughs> oh, that boy, come that up in my UCF on UCF crime. Yeah. And then Latavius Murray is not with an NFL team. Interesting to see if he lands with an NFL team here. Is we're, I mean, we're only a few weeks away from training camp, right, Kyle? Or yep. well, how many days, Kyle? You're our NFL guy. Kyle covers the National Football League. Well, I'll say uh, on July 24th is when the Jack well, he covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, come on! Hey, wow! NFL, NFL teams come to town to play them. Jeffrey. <laughs> wow! Our friends in JU. All right. Uh, you know, um, Neil Griffin is still the top corner and held DeAndre Hopkins three catches. That's right. We got Shaquille there. That's right. Good call. Um, Some really great golf news for UCF. How about Jess Baker? UCF women's golf won the British amateur. 
four and three in the final. She went six. They have a two two round uh, stroke play phase, and then they go to match play. She went six and zero in match play uh, to get the figure. Wow! Congratulations to your British amateur champion Jess Baker, UCF women's golf. Uh, speaking of uh, some more contract extensions, Eric Lopez, Cindy Ball Malone just signed her contract extension, obviously well-deserved after winning 49 games last year and pulling off the double. Um, what are the, uh, what do we know, Eric? What are the terms? Uh, how's everybody feel about this? So according to the Orlando said on our friend, Jason Beatty, uh, she is getting now $200,000 a season starting. Uh, well, depending when you're listening to this now, congratulations, coach, $200,000 a season. That's a big I one. Yeah. Uh, her extension is through 2027. Now each season though, that she's here at UCF, she gets extra $10,000. So in other words, a year from now, she'll get $10,000 added to that 10,000 added to that. Uh, which is a very creative way of scheduling of, of negotiating a deal where you get raise your money as you're going into the big 12. Uh, I mean, that, that salary is going to put her up there with probably third in the big 12. I'm not counting. OU. Yeah, I was going to say, what is that? What is that? Like, That's going to put her up third calculate. place. Like okay. Kenny guy asked you just got a big extension at Oklahoma state. He's probably in the 350, 400 range. Baylor is a private oh. school, but they're at 250, 300. Um, but this is TCU. a very, does TCU have softball? No softball for TCU. No, they don't have seen. Okay, they don't, right. you don't even, yeah, they're, they, they think they're all about baseball, but they're, so no, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal for Sydney to big to get him because remember Arizona state was open, uh, and Arizona state, I, from what I understand was interested in her, but she's happy here. She wants to raise the kids here in Orlando, Kyle. So, uh, investing in softball after the successful season was big there. I think for Terry, it was very important. Both sides make it happen. Uh, there's other things in the contract to a 60, by the way, how about this? If she's here, July 1st, 2027, automatically $60,000 at it. How about that? Just, just for, just for being here, just for being here, 60 grand. Oh, not bad. Hey, Can you promise you'll be here in five but, years, but, Kyle? <laughs> but, but here's the, this is why this is important though, right? Is to show is for the administration. You have to show commitment to the coaches as they go through this transition. We've talked about this before. Yeah. But you know, that uncertainty, that's hard to deal with. Like when you're trying to recruit and you're real, and we've talked about how the recruiting landscape has really changed for UCF, not just because of the conference, because of all the other stuff. Sure. So job security, really important because what you're saying to your coaches is, Hey, we think you're the right people to get us through this and to help us move from being a competitor in the American to competitor in the big 12. That's big. It's big investment. I expect from what I understand, There'll be some renovations at the stadium. It's going to take a while. Some things they can do right away. I mean, I would not be surprised if you see a video scoreboard next year or the year after. Some things they're going to, as somebody told me, you're going to need a John Juliano of softball to take care of some of this stuff too. So, uh, but well, you know, I keep putting in for the Powerball, Eric, and I keep coming up uh, empty. I mean, I don't know what to well, tell you. Well, Kyle's not using a uh, Kyle's not wearing a suit. I just assume he sold the suit. That's why. Is that why you're not wearing suits anymore on the pod? Well, listen, and, and that's what I was going to say. Uh, for my, yeah, he's down to basketball, your old basketball jerseys. Next time we know he's going to be going shirtless, and then I mean, I, and then we are going to have to avoid doing this in video. You should be so lucky. Well, no, that's that's what I'm saying. I I spent my all my efforts trying to keep another coach, and I appreciate you not gloating that your sport still has theirs. Um, I, I I try to be respectful. No offense to uh, Satya Messer. I'm really stoked what she's going to bring to the table. <laughs> 
That's the greetings I got, Kyle. I had people from Athens saying, hey, can you tell Kyle we said hello I don't, they, <laughs> in Athens? I, I don't know uh, whether yeah. that's about. By the way, real quick, softball added Sarah Willis announced. Sarah Willis announced oh, yeah, on her yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Tell me about this, right? So she's a two-way player, basically a pitcher. Uh, was the number seven recruit in the country in the 2019 class, according to X-Rating Softball. Played at Washington. Limited action, a lot of depth there. She comes over to Sydney. What's funny about this, Heather Tarr is the head coach at Washington. That's Sydney's mentor. They just spent the last few weeks coaching together in the Canada Cup where they won the gold medal. So I think she knows the inside information, Sarah Willis, but this is a young arm to try to develop. She could throw 70, has a has power with the bat. Uh, I expect UCF to still be aggressive. July 1st is important if you're a baseball, softball fan, and because it's the last day to enter the transfer portal without needing a waiver. So July mm. 1st is important from that standpoint. So uh, UCF is probably going to be looking for another pitcher or two at some point here to add, because obviously with the graduations of Gianna Mancha and um, Kamal Woodall. So, but Sarah Will is adding to that. Very similar, boys, to Gus Malzahn's philosophy, because Gus just added a big-time guy from a Florida running back adding depth that we joked about the running back depth here for this team. I mean, this is the new landscape we talked about in the first segment, Kyle, you coaches now have to go to the transfer portal for needs, get some experience and build depth. Yeah. You're talking about DeMarcus uh, Bowman, who was at Florida transferred to UCF announced a running back um, uh, had only, uh, uh, he was a former five-star had only 81 yards last year in Gainesville, but is now in the mix uh, at UCF. But, hey, keep the portal coming. Well, what's significant about that? The portal giveth and the portal taketh away. I'm totally in favor of the portal giveth thing. But what the thing about is we don't know yet if he'll be eligible for this year or not. That'll play itself out on that. But he's a young guy. Part of this, too, boys. Coaches, I think you got to start thinking about adding pieces, not just for this year, but you're adding pieces for when you get to the Big 12. Right, you want to have a roster ready to compete as best as you can when you enter the Big 12. So while Bowman may or may not be a factor this year, he could certainly be a factor by the time they get to the Big 12. That's part of the thinking, I think. I think it's the same applies to these players you add here, uh, like a Sarah Willis type. Although I think she'll have a more of immediate role, but you get my drift on that. Hey, building up running backs is how you build to compete in the Big 12. Keep those explosive offenses off the dang field. Uh, Just saying, Eric. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, and that's always been Gus's style going back to Auburn to Trey Mason and those running backs. I mean, that's always been the bread and butter of their offenses. And I think for this team to be successful in 2022, no question, the running game will be the force of the, the lead in that offense. All right. That'll be a lot of fun to take a look at, you know. Uh, all right. Got some schedule releases to talk about real quick. Uh, first thing, volleyball. Uh, start uh, regular season starts September the second. That's a Friday, seven p.m. at the venue. UCF takes on Syracuse. Todd Dagenet coming up big for your boy here, uh, setting up his two. Did you set that up? Did you help Todd? Schedule I have that? no. I, I I'm just assuming this is a this is a uh, this is a a, a a little gift from Todd to me. I wow. appreciate there it. There you go. Look at this. Uh, who else is on the? Uh, but they have Miami's on the schedule, the right? We got right. yeah. We've got uh, so the first home weekend is Syracuse and Kansas State. The second home weekends UNC Wilmington, Miami, and Illinois Chicago. Uh, they're on the okay. So here's week three in the preseason. 
uh, they call it the preseason, but it's, it's, it's the non-conference regular season. Um, they are up at Kansas. So a little big, a little big 12 preview action. Huh? I believe Kansas state too, right? In that uh, well, Kansas state comes here. That's right. But in the, in the, right. Jay, in the Jayhawk classic, they're playing Omaha, Kansas and Lipscomb. Well, so, and then you make a good point there. Interesting to see because UCF men's basketball, it's been announced. They're going to play Oklahoma State in the Bahamas at a tournament there. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to see more of this of UCF sports teams playing Big 12 teams the year before they joined the Big 12 as a tune-up. I wonder. I don't know. I don't know if that was part of Todd's philosophy on that or not, but it it is not a bad idea to play some Big 12 teams this year to get ready for it, right? To get a well, taste it, of it. Yeah, well, in the Olympic sports, I mean, the coaches have have those relationships. Yeah. Hey, let's, you know, hey, we got an opening in the schedule. You want to come in, take a look around, you know? I, I, I that's definitely part of it. Definitely part. Of it. I'm sorry, Kyle. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just want to add in. Basketball's already doing it, right? I mean, right, Oak State, yeah, Bahamas, yeah. Uh, and I would not be surprised if you see, you know, all the sports teams maybe get involved in there. Now, expand on this, Jeff, because obviously the non-conference is shortened than normal. Yeah because there's an expanded conference schedule. And I think this hurts Todd because Todd always schedules very difficult non-conference schedules. But when you're cat, when you're limited, which he is with the mm -hmm. expanded conference schedule, you can only do so much. And I think this hurts them because, and this is, and this is like, this is my biggest pet peeve about the college volleyball. Every sport for the most part has a 50, 50 conference, non-conference schedule formula. Maybe a little bit slide it more towards 60 40 sometimes. Right, right, right. Subject to that. I feel volleyball by far is the one sport that is way too much. It's conference dominated. And to me, that favors the well, the Big Ten. Here we go. <laughs> Big Ten. The freak. Well, what was the Pac 12? Who knows what's going to happen to Big 12 volleyball down the road? But this is why I think it's hard for teams in the American teams like you to make the tournament, let alone host, because. You're basically the for, the schedule is going to be all conference. Basically, you're not you don't get as many at bats against quality games by having a more conference games. In my opinion, I, I think this hurts. I, yeah, I, I, you make a good point about quality at bats, and I'm glad you're mixing metaphors here. Uh, it's a 28 match home. It's a 28 match total schedule, and the max is 32 in the regular season. I think they just passed that. 15 in the venue. Um, but here's the deal: 20 of the 28 matches are in conference because they're playing everybody twice. So, and as we've seen before, remember in volleyball, they had the tournament that they used to not have a tournament at the end of the year. Then they have the tournament for a couple of years. UCF won that both times. Now they've gone back to not having a tournament the past year, which so, is good. I'm, I'm glad which, because if you're playing a 20 is, game deal for them. Yeah. Right. It, it's good. But what took that advantage away, right. Where you're, you know, you're not, facing a you know a team that can drag down your rpi as you know from softball and we know yeah. from volleyball is you know again you take a look at softball you have a lot more opportunities against non-conference teams i thought that really helped out cindy no question I, no absolutely. question about it right but you know for for Todd, even basketball to some extent and baseball yeah. have the same luxury soccer soccer has a better yeah deal there yeah right that rpi there's kind of there's kind of end, going to end up being a, a sort of a, a ceiling that they're going to yes. a glass ceiling that, that they're going to be stuck underneath for much of the season unless somebody steps up in the league that's yeah, unless the thing. He, unless a cincinnati wichita state has houston been, has Tulane, had oh tulane their coach is now in iowa be, yeah i mean we don't know what's going to happen with going to happen with them right um you know uh, but but again you know but 
you know, that kind of gets dragged down by playing teams like I hate saying it, but South Florida, you know, they're they're just not good. UCF has well, and they uh, got to play them twice now. Here's the problem: they got twice, play, and they got to play a bunch of oh, other always, teams. Well, twice. Oh, they always did play them. Right, twice. right, right. You're right, South Florida. But I'm saying they're going to play other teams that are in the bottom of the league twice now. Yeah. So yeah, so, like ECU, for example. Correct. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and that's yeah. it's tough because there's going to be. High, I mean, you got McKenna. You got a really good group. You're going to be the favorites in the league. I think they're right on the cusp. They're the runaway favorites easily, the and they're on the cusp to host. And I really do think. And I'll ask Todd. And I'm. We're going to ask a lot. I think the softball run, right? Doesn't that you would? That's going to inspire the like. If you're volleyball, doesn't that inspire you? If you're a player on that team, like. Man, they could host. We could host. We could do it. There's a lot of I think there's a, a lot of competitiveness. Sure. I think there's a little in a positive way. Like, in a positive way. Yeah. Know, we got to the second weekend. But this this I I I just don't like this domination of conference games. I, it's not Todd's fault. It's not I don't know how the Big yeah. 12's going to do it, but this is one of the issues I have with volleyball. I don't I think non-conference should be uh more games I think for the sport. And, but anyway. And the other, and the other thing is we used to have I, I forget if I mentioned this before, but we we Prior to this season, there were four non-conference weekends at the start of the season. Correct. Now there's only three. Right, and that does make a difference. I mean, yeah. So that's that one more tournament. For example, you can't go on the road to. We used to have that. We had that uh, Florida tournament that was pretty cool, where you know UCF would play Miami, Florida Gulf Coast. Well, and, it, right, and it hurts. For example, like last year, Todd got yeah. to Penn State to come here. Maybe this year they would right. not have been able to pull something off like that. Now the Georgia, good news, Georgia, but Georgia Tech. Came here. Came here. Correct. Were, that was a great yeah. tournament. Maybe the best tournament he's hosted since he's been here. If you think back to that yeah. tournament with Georgia Tech and Penn State in the same field, the, the success they had, tougher to do when you have less work. Now, the good news is this is the last year you're in the American. So when you're in the Big 12, you, the disadvantages that I'm talking about will actually work to your advantage now, in a way, to some extent. Yeah. But, I, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with volleyball there. But, yeah. hey. Speaking of now, the last thing we want to talk about right now is another schedule release, but there's some stuff that went on obviously last week that we didn't get the chance to talk about men's soccer. It is now official. Uh, UCF has joined the Sun Belt or will join the Sun Belt Conference in 2023 for men's soccer only. Because remember, the Big 12 does not sponsor men's soccer at all. And the Sun Belt, who has reinstated men's soccer only just recently, um, is all of a sudden now, I mean, no joke, probably the SEC of men's soccer now <laughs> with the schools that they've that they have. Uh, well, what's funny is in. all this like we've been like, comp- I don't know what complain, but we've been concerned and all this landscape changes in football. Meanwhile, men's soccer is laughing. Everybody's like, what do you guys? We guys were ahead of you guys yeah. way before football. Like we've, yeah, been, well, we've been changing the landscape before you. We, we already halfway through. Can we at yeah. least use a soccer analogy? They're now a group of death. Oh, it is a Kyle group of with the World Cup Kyle, reference. I'm gonna faint. I'm gonna faint. I'm gonna faint. <laughs> here's here, here's why it's a group of death. You ready? Here's the schools who are in, who are in the Sun Belt for for uh for men's soccer: James Madison, Marshall, who won a national championship a couple years ago; Old Dominion, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. Solid southeastern teams. All right. Plus Kentucky, South Carolina, West Virginia. UCF. And we did the study and, and, and uh, got to give tremendous credit to uh, Bryson because he helped us out with this. And we've taken a look at soccer and, and, you know, we kind of speculated a little bit about like what would happen with, um, 
with UCF men's soccer, you know, potential homes. Right. And one of the options we had was the, was the Sunbelt and you had, uh, and I believe we had, what was it? I, th- I think it was like five or six teams in the top 50 RPI in, uh, in men's soccer now, including UCF. Like this is a murderer's row that, that they're heading into now. Um, and, uh, and, and this is good competition. Uh, Scott Calabrese is, uh, is thrilled with this. Um, and I'd be interested. There've been some, some more grum. I've been feeling some things out around the Sun Belt and seeing you. Are, could they be done here? I don't know. I don't know. Every, nobody could be done in realignment. Maybe nobody there's no knows. such thing as ever being done in any of this stuff. We could use a little stability. That's all but I'm meanwhile, wondering. they're going to be playing in the American this year, but even the American has a new look this year. Right. So the soccer, the, the, the uh, schedule for UCF's final season in the American has been released. And we have some uh, associate members who have joined in FAU, FIU, UAB, and Charlotte. So the men's soccer schedule is out. They open with two exhibition matches, one on August 13th, one on August 17th, which as I look at the schedule is now a month and a half away. What in the world is going on out here? Uh, Now, here's who they got in the non-conference. At Wake to start the season, regular season, August 25th. Home opener, North Florida, August 29th. Um, they got FGCU on the road. UC Riverside comes here. Then they go out to UC Irvine. Those are tough, two tough games against West Coast teams. And then you got, uh, and then home games in conference. Now this is in conference again, FAU, SMU, uh, at FIU. Remember Scott Calabrese came over to wow, FIU is really FIU. good too. Yeah. FIU's yeah. And really FIU is really good. Home for Charlotte, October 22nd, home for South Florida, November 2nd in UCF's final American regular season, uh, Match. We know what so this the do we, do we know what the tournament formula is? Has that been announced yet? I don't think they've announced yet. I'm curious if they're going to tweak it or keep it the way it is. You mean the in the American? I, yeah. I haven't heard anything new on that. Okay. Um, probably, normally they would have uh, what is it? Four teams, but obviously the league's grown, so I'm curious. Yeah. Normally uh, it would be yeah. yeah. Normally it would be four and hosted by the whoever was the whoever was the regular season championship. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Obviously, with men's soccer going to the American one last year, expanded league. Uh, then they go to the Sun Belt. We'll see how the Sun Belt and I, looks. I will say, I will say for all the, 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 sorry, Eric, but all the things everyone was talking about with the American, I thought that they made it, that, that this was a nice move bringing in these four teams for this season. Yeah. Because it's, because th- those are four quality teams. They really are four. Well, quality. yeah. I mean, with USA going down the tubes. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good move. So we'll see what happens. I hope my hope is, and uh, we'll get into this more as we get closer to the seasons. I hope UCF continues to play, for example, like an SMU in non-conference because I've really enjoyed that rivalry. Uh, it's always fun soccer there. Interesting to see, too, what will happen, obviously, with UCF, USF, and men's soccer as well as do they could play FIU and FAU. Maybe I do wonder, Jeff, do, could you see where maybe Calabrese for non-conference will schedule USF, FAU, or FIU and keep the travel down since you're going to travel a little bit more in the Sun Belt? Could that be a, I- could you see that? I hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, this, the travel's not too bad in the Sun Belt, to be honest with you. I think it's actually much better than if you had like a regular Big 12. You're still playing a bunch of Southern teams. Um, you got two teams in Georgia, for example, that you're still going to play in Coastal Carolina is not that far away. 
Um, Huntington, West Virginia. I'm so sorry they got to go back to there. Jesus. I don't. I don't mind it considering what it's going to do for your RPI. That's a good. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. I mean, we hope. We'll see. I mean, as we know, this could change. But I don't think anybody's ever excited being Huntington. Are you? They won the national title two years ago. Yeah, but it's Huntington, West Virginia. Kyle, would you be excited if we said, "Hey, Kyle, can you go to Huntington, West Virginia?" I'd rather go to the Rose Bowl, sir. Well, of course, everyone would rather go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, we don't play Marshall in the Rose Bowl. Uh, we play them. We play them in Huntington, West Virginia. You know something? I went to Huntington. Uh, let me put it this way: I would rather. That's play why I was bringing to see. Kyle I'd finally figured it out. I was setting him up because I knew he had been to Huntington, and he didn't really no. go with me on that. What he didn't I was go saying, with me. I'd, I'd rather go to Huntington, West Virginia, to play men's soccer than pretty much anything else. Yeah. Kyle didn't know sold me on that. I was setting him up and he decided not. He just, he didn't, he just didn't swing at it. My boss is from West Virginia. Ixnay on Ash. Okay. <laughs> Touche. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. Touche. But is he from Huntington? Did he go to Marshall? Bro, he has a WV on the back of his truck. <laughs> for a mountain just, so just don't take so, chances. So he, right? so he likes to rag on Marshall. That's what you're telling me. Actually, yeah, you're right. He totally. You're does. telling okay, me that. So, well, you're, so you're, you're also, good. Sounds to sounds to me like you're telling me that he's going to hang out to some of these West Virginia UCF football games. What you're saying to me? You guys gonna be hanging out? Maybe I will go. Maybe he'll give me a place to stay. That is a thought. <laughs> he's a golfer. Let's do this. All right, <laughs> All right let's is, move. On. That is enough West Virginia talk for uh, one show. Thank you. Uh, so there you go. There's your uh, your use. By the way, uh, Eric Lopez, you and I know this just as well. This is UCF's second go round in the Sun Belt. Yes, it was. They uh, had a First brief stint there. Three when, years, oh. one one season in the early nineties. What's old is new again. Um, but that, was, uh, but the, that that sun that the, this is not your granddaddy's sun belt that UCF is. The good is news for men's soccer is they don't have to worry about what's going on as far as the Big Ten and football and all that. They they they're no. they're, they're good. They're good. Well, ACC and Pac twelve, yeah, uh, yeah. But wow. but that's you know. I'm just looking at this it. right now. They just have USC. I mean. USC UCLA Big Ten logo. Holy smokes. Wow. I just don't. I, I can't. No. I can't. Th- this, you know what? This is great. Like, I still have a hard time processing the fact that the Houston Astros are in the American League. <laughs> well, that's you know? peanuts compared to this. Uh, oh, actually, and I'll be honest, I actually have a, I still have a hard time processing that the Milwaukee Brewers are in the National League. That's how, that's how hard this is. By the way, uh, real quick, I mentioned earlier UCF Oklahoma State. That will be that's out the Bahama Hoops tournaments, the Bahamas championships, not the Maui one. It's the other one, November eighteenth. Oklahoma State UCF DePaul and Santa Clara is in that field. Games will be on CBS Sports Network. Mm. You know they wonder this when my passport expired. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, I I wonder if I wonder if Dave Ryan's going to be out. CBS. Let's see. I got to check in with Rhino. See what he's see what he's going to be up to. So, all right, that'll do it for our show for this week. Hey, listen. Th- first of all, huge thanks to Balin Trujillo, our guest earlier today. Make sure you follow him at Balin B A Y L I N Trujillo T R U J I L L O. That's his Twitter handle, and also Balin Trujillo.com uh, uh, for uh, for all his information as well. Thanks again to. Kyle Nash, the student of the game, the SOTG on Twitter. Eric Lopez, Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter. Keep voting, the bannies, the bannies. Yes, our bannies voting is continuing on on blackandgoldbanner.com. We're releasing 
two awards per day. We'll be doing this through the rest of this week and into next week. How uh, as women's sports voting, by the way. I mean, I know we talked about it, but my mind's blowing just watching. Dude, I had to get that it's, out. And remember the fan votes, right? So, so, so the winner of the fan vote gets one vote. Each of us individually on the staff get one vote. And if there's a tie, the winner goes to the winner of the fan vote. So, folks, your vote matters. All right. But we're also not going to we're also not going to let you hijack the process here. OK, I'm just saying, you know, we have to you know, we're trying to keep the integrity here. But we got several. We got eight of them already up now. And we got uh, how many? I think we have like 16 or 17 to go still. So we got a few to go. We have a few to go. We got, yeah, we got some here, but few, it's a lot of fun. And yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's been great to hear some of the chatter, some of the back and forth. And, hey, uh, and I appreciate the athletes also. Oh, they did. Saying, oh, listen, it's getting pretty. It's getting pretty competitive out there. The one award where, uh, where, uh, uh, which one was it, Eric? Was it freshman of the year? Which one? Well, well, there's Renaya a couple. Jones. Oh, was, well, she she was pumping up the breakthrough athlete there for the female breakthrough athlete of the year. That's right. Renaya Jones was what uh, was chiming in, and she we had a little pro- like UCF track versus UCF softball thing going on on Twitter for a little bit. Correct. And that's the beauty of this. And it's going on, too, in the, uh, for example, now the other men's awards, too. It's going like the freshman has been really super debated between football, men's basketball, and baseball. That's been going back and forth. So yeah. uh, and there's some the baseball, more stuff to come. The baseball guys have been active. Yes. And that's Props awesome. And, well, and that's the thing. I mean, they appreciate the coverage and the, and the and they do, you know, it's always cool to see them, you know, just be excited to be nominated, as they like to say. Uh, that's been very We're just happy to be here. We're just happy to be nominated. <laughs> correct. Uh, on that department. But yeah, Latasha Smith for breakthrough female. I mean, you had her getting kind of being pushed. Uh, but Ryan, Renia Jones, her teammates. So teammates are getting involved and helping each other out, which is always cool. I love this. More engagement. It's fantastic. All right. So for all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, make sure you follow us at UCF Banneret underscore SBN for all the latest, including those uh, awards going out uh, as well. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And of course, Black and Gold Banneret.com. We have all the latest from UCF sports as the offseason brief, though it is, rolls on a month and a half. We're going to have we're going to have events to cover. I can't believe how quickly the summer is going already as you listen to this uh, in the beginning of July. So for all of us at Black and Gold Banneret, for Eric Lopez and Kyle Nash, I'm Jeff Sharon saying happy Independence Day. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe out there, Night Nation. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will catch you next week. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. 